Hello and welcome to another episode of Visionary Voices, a podcast series by Linklaters. I'm Deepika Sriram. On this podcast, we will be talking to successful women in business and law who are based out here in the Middle East. We're going to be asking them to share their journey, the challenges that they have faced, and their vision for the future generation. Joining us today is Afshan Akhtar, Chief Legal Counsel at Bahrain Petroleum Company. Afshan's career journey spans nearly two decades with private and globally listed multinational corporations in the UK and in the Middle East. She's also a passionate advocate in the ability of the legal profession to bring about wider societal changes. I am so thrilled to have Afshan on board today, talking to us about how we can challenge and break the bias together. Afshan, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Deepika. I appreciate you guys having me here for this series. Thank you. So, Afshan, I remember reading your post on LinkedIn a few months ago on this Little Girl Is Me campaign. Mm. Ever since I've wanted to sit down with you and have a conversation about your story and challenges and what makes you you. Uh, so, Afshan, tell us a little bit about your journey and the career path that brought you here. Sure. Um, mine is sort of an interesting one. I came from, um, so I'm one of five children, the only daughter in a family of uh, four, four boys, four brothers. And um, to be honest, I was one of the first girls. Traditionally, the background I'm from, girls sort of get educated, but they don't necessarily carry on into a profession or a career at that stage. You know, that's what was common. And I remember my parents sort of telling me, as I think is the bias with some Asian families, you can either be a doctor or a lawyer if you really want to be a professional. Um, the sciences were sort of discounted for me. It wasn't my strength. Um, so the law was was my only sort of option at that point in time. Um, so I, but they fully, fully supported me um, into this journey. And um, as most people do, I sort of coming into the law, there was the option of being a solicitor or a barrister. And I remember sort of doing various schemes with both. And then I decided that a solicitor and sort of transactional work and problem solving is where I really wanted to be. Um, And then I sort of did the traditional route of reading law at university, um, obviously securing a training contract and um, starting my journey with um, Cliff Chance in London. Um, Post that, um, I then moved to the Middle East with a young family. And um, I sort of decided, um, as you sort of raise up the ranks through to a senior associate, I like um, rather than moving from deal to deal and transaction, I really decided that I wanted to work with a particular client and look at a particular business. And I like the problem solving aspects. Um, And then I sort of moved in um, to Bahrain and I was very fortunate enough to join um, Aluminium Bahrain, which is a listed company here, dual listed company, both on the London Stock Exchange and um, similarly in Bahrain as well, and took the role as their general counsel and um, their corporate secretary. And I started with them and, um, you know, I was very fortunate to be given that role because they were at a tr- uh, they were at a crossroads in terms of their journey. They were doing a full business restructuring, um, a lot of interesting issues going on there. So I got the ability to really get stuck in and then they had a super sort of project going on, one of the me- mega projects in Bahrain at the time, to have the chance to sort of start that as well. And um, post that, I was then headhunted into a role with um, 
and a bank in the region with it when I say regional, the presence was in the regional, but they have a global footprint, but they really specialised within the Middle East. And it was great for me because obviously a banking lawyer going back into working in a bank. But what I was fortunate enough to be given as well was their sort of um, litigation portfolio and their disputes, having had the experience at um, Aluminium Bahrain. So I really enjoyed working on the infrastructure projects they had, the various sort of deals with trade financing, etc., and some of the regions they operated in posed challenges, um, which was sort of great. It provided a great quality of work. And um, from there, I was fortunate enough to join uh, BATCO, uh, with the Bahrain Petroleum Company, um, as their chief legal counsel. And BATCO as well has recently had a new board join. There's been recent changes in management and they're at a crossroads of their journey. So, again, I get a really interesting role. They're looking at a full legal transformation including the whole digital piece. So a bit different to um, Aluminium Bahrain, which wasn't, digitization wasn't as big back then, but it really is now. So um, yeah, again, very, very, very fortunate to um, go through these various organizations with really good quality of work. Thank you for sharing that, Afshan. That was so interesting. Uh, So the idea for the podcast came about because we wanted to start conversations around challenging bias You touched about it briefly from a cultural perspective, Uh, and I know you've worked across jurisdictions and had a team of lawyers who come from diverse backgrounds. So what sort of biases have you come across, Afshan? And I'm curious to know how you deal with them personally, but also from an organizational perspective. I think the two biases that I've faced, if I'm very honest, uh, is age and uh, gender as well. Um, I think the legal profession has one been traditionally before the whole digitization period and you know this this whole transition period that has come across the legal uh, profession in recent years. People always sort of saw a lawyer as somebody who was sort of um, mature, um, quite staid, um, and maybe possibly even largely male, and you know a, a particular sort of. Um, physical sort of image pops up in very uh, very many sort of people's minds. So I think age was definitely one I faced. I mean, I've been sort of told on transactions. Uh, I didn't realise I'd be sending children along. I've had that, you know, I've had that comment. Um, I once did a plane aircraft delivery for a client um, and the stakeholder was from Mexico. They actually told me, you know, we, we're not going, we need the seniors on the team. Um, so age was definitely one. Um, and I think even in the Middle East, they really respect age and wisdom. Traditionally, they really respect these. But I think the whole sort of age of digitization and younger and younger people were sort of coming into leadership positions, that's softening the blow. And obviously, I'm getting more senior in terms of age. But I think um, age is definitely one. And then I think gender is definitely one of them as well. Um And I think it's things that are openly spoken about now. You just take the top segment of any company and you look at how it's represented in terms of females in leadership positions there. Um, I think this has become very topical, at least something that people are openly discussing in recent years. But as long as back as four or five years ago, people were beginning to sort of talk the talk, but they weren't walking the walk per se. Um, And that's what I really noticed. Um, And I have had um, gender bias and even sort of um, age bias, both. But I think with with the age bias, I think um, competency is a key way to address that. If you can take over a room and lead, 
I think, you know, some people do have objections, but where it's deep-seated, it's a different issue. But if people can see that you can lead something, I think you can kind of see the shift in a room. I've often seen it when I've walked in and I can see the tide. But if you can sort of command that respect and deal with the issue, I do feel like that moves with you. And obviously with age, your reputation grows. Gender, gender is more deep-seated than um, even age in my view. Gender is really difficult because it's an institutional problem, right? Um, some organisations I've been at, they've had the token woman maybe on a board level, but not within senior management. Or if they have had women at senior management, they should know their place and perhaps not participate so openly or have such a strong voice. And I had a really good man, a mentor at Clever Chance. Um, his name was Alan, Alan Ingalls, and I'll happily mention him now. Alan was really good at sort of bursting that bubble for me. He sort of told me, he, he explained to me, despite being male himself, how often sometimes female or strong females were viewed generally within an organisation or within particular cultures. And he was really good at advising me. Um, and he sort of said it was obviously deep-seated um, nervousness on the part of people. They felt intimidated. So what I've realized, a lot of this is down to relationship building and how quickly you can get people to trust you, engender trust in them. And that is from an age and a gender bias. That was such an interesting perspective, Afshan. Uh, we've all definitely faced these issues before, um, and it's great to hear about how you have dealt with it in the past. Um, mm. And you talked about mentorship and how important that yes. is. Uh, so my question to you, Afshan, is, what could we be thinking about from an organizational level uh, to to bring about that mentorship and make it available for people who are coming up the ranks? I think it has to be a formal program top down. And I think it's great that females mentor females because there's very specific type of coaching you can give them. But for me, like I said, the male mentoring was more important. Um, ultimately, people are human beings right, with base instincts. Everyone wants to succeed. So in an in-house environment, the CEO wants to succeed. The top management wants to succeed. So if you, can, if you can build bridges with them to get them to understand how instrumental you are to that vision, um, and this is why some things really click immediately, because if you can share the vision with someone and you believe in where they're going, I think it's quite an easy task. The problem for me is, is I think women are very strong. We have very strong instincts. And where something doesn't sit right with us or it doesn't feel right or we can't agree, that's where I think we have a problem building, you know, those bridges and sort of getting people to believe in our vision um, or, or sharing that vision with them. But I think if you are in step with the values of your management and you can clearly agree and are aligned on that vision, I think it's very easy to get people to trust you. But I think that males within the organisation also have to very much be a part of that vision and be a part of that mentorship for females because it helps to definitely break the bias. And my last question is, what are some of the key insights that you would like to share with us from your own journey? Something that those listening to us today can take away and really think about. What I would say to everyone is that as, as a female professional, and particularly lawyers, we all go through a, quite a gruesome sort of um, training process and a qualification process and even get to the stages where we are. I think we've got a lot to offer because often all, all lawyers can have various skills, but I think female lawyers in particular, they're very strong on intuition. 
They're very um, good on both verbal and nonverbal signals. We can read a room very well. I often find women, as some of the women I know, as some of the best negotiators I've seen. Um, they're, they're also calm. Um, and I and I feel like if a lawyer is not sitting well within an organisation or they're unhappy where they are, I don't. I think females are often encouraged to sort of um, review themselves. I don't think it's a review of yourselves. You, I think people have to genuinely believe they have key core skills and key competencies mixed in with their own sort of um, personal abilities and traits. That's what makes them them, and they should have belief in themselves. If they're not happy where they are, or it, you know, they're not sort of able to contribute in the way they want to, there's possibly something wrong with the organisation or the leadership within that organisation. So sometimes I, I often talk to a lot of females, junior females, who sort of say to me, you know, I don't feel like I'm contributing, I don't think I'm valued, maybe it's because I have not done enough or maybe there's something about me that I'm lacking compared to this person. And I and I think it's always good to really review yourselves because there's always room for improvement, right? Um, we have a personal journey as well in terms of our personal development. But often I think we need to be quick enough to call that actually, no, there's something within that organisation or the leadership. And I think people need to be sort of as strong as we are in sort of um, appraising ourselves. We need to appraise the organisation, our roles and the leadership and think if something is not the right combination for you. And I think people need that confidence to sort of make the break or definitely scour the markets and see what else is out there you know the legal profession as we know it or we sort of know when I sort of qualified it's it's a very different workplace there are jobs that our lawyers are doing now several roles and several organizations very much linked to technology very much more interactive with other sort of professions and you know training contracts being offered not just at law firms but within other types of organizations it's a completely different profession which gives people the ability it gives you a wider choice to make. And I think people should be very strong, not just appraising themselves, but appraising the organisation they work for and the leadership they work for and the vision. And if something's not right, it's not not necessarily because it's not right with you, that combination that you're in possibly isn't right. And people should have the confidence to label and diagnose as it is and not just female lawyers and particularly bring it back down to themselves. That was really great advice, Afshan. Uh, and I love what you said about self-reflection, but also trusting your instincts to then take that forward and challenge the organisation itself. So that was that was great. I'm amazed, Deepika. I've been in negotiations now with global players across the table, and it's amazing how much the women behind the scenes, like I can talk to my counterparts, and it's amazing how much we read in the room that was that wasn't said. And when we share that sort of um, that know-how and that insight, how much we've been able to strike a deal much quickly behind the scenes by having that intuition and that aptitude. And, um, and it's funny that how many women didn't raise it in the room at that time. And I know there's a lot to be said for backdoor diplomacy, but, you know, there is definitely space for this. And I think women are fabulous at it. I really believe they are. Yeah, I, I agree with that, Afshan, and, and that's that's such a great perspective to think about as well. Um, and also, I think us as women should be thinking about uh, what we are bringing to the table and how that is different uh, from what other male colleagues may be bringing in. Um, and then using that as a strength, uh, as you say, in negotiations uh, and, and in sort of taking the conversations forward. 
Definitely. And I think you definitely need that sponsor. If, if, if you've got a leadership that realizes it takes all sorts to make a team, if you've got a leadership that thinks that everyone should be a clone of them, then you're not going to succeed because we cannot model ourselves on males. You know, our gender's different, our physiognomy is different, everything is different. And if they understand that and they're open to having all sorts to make a team successful, then I think you're in a great place. And if you're not, then I think call it and I think honestly cut your losses and find an environment that is right for you. <laughs> True. That's great advice. Thanks, Hafshan. Throughout this podcast series, we've been speaking to inspiring women about their stories and how they've taken on various opportunities and challenges. And we're so glad that you could be a part of this conversation with us today and giving us so much to think about. So thank you for talking to us. It was great to have you on board. Thanks to everyone at Linklaters who helped us pull this podcast together. The Middle East DNI team for getting behind the idea to do the series and providing the platform for it. Tushbu and Cecilia and the digital marketing team for website design, comms, and marketing. Everyone at the film and media team for audio editing and design. And Raluca and Patrick for bringing this podcast together and making it happen. Tune into the next episode to hear more from another interesting speaker wherever you get your podcast. Yeah.